0: What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry
1: of Pastor Chris Tress.
0: All right, Acts chapter 6. I want you to go there. We're going to do a quick, quick review in Jesus' name. We're in chapter 6, and remember I said this is the first time multiplication is used in the book of Acts as the church was exploding And the reason why was because leaders got in their place. Position and order came into the church, and people got in their position. And so it went from God was adding in the first five books of Acts, God was adding to the church daily, to now in Acts chapter 6, all of a sudden, multiplication's happening. 1 Corinthians 14.40 says, all things should be done decently and in order. God desires for his church to operate in order. So how do we get in order? Well, a lot of times needs arise. A lot of times there's attacks from the enemy on specific areas and We end up getting beat down because we got a hole in the wall. We never knew we had a hole in the wall because the enemy never tried to attack in that way. And all of a sudden, we realize, wow, we better fix that wall. We better put somebody on that wall. We better move in this area. And so there's needs in the church. Jeremy, go ahead and put up that black picture, please. Nope. Yep. Now, you can't read all of that, but that's everything that's kind of going on right now at Bow Down. A lot of times people are like, Chris, what do you do all week? Well, there it is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's no way any one person can do all of that, but that's what's, what's happening here at Bow Down. And so if you, if you look at um, discipleship there, you see it 5, 16, Kevin and Dylan, stand up. Yeah. They run 516. Uh, so, Kevin, what, are, what would you say? And uh, I'm going to ask you a question you're not ready for. What are, you, what are your top few needs right now? Uh, people, to people to disciple. So, recruiting, spreading the word about our free discipleship program where people can move into the inner city for 10 months and it's free. And they will die. <laughs> <laughs> to themselves. To themselves. <laughs> but then there's going to be a resurrection. Hey. What else, Kev? Um, I mean, it's a port. prayer. Definitely. Prayer. So as a leader, let me ask you a question. Would you turn down a group of five people that said, hey, can we just come once a week and just pray over you and your family? Would you turn that down, Kevin? Has that ever happened to you on a consistent weekly basis where someone says, man, I've got a crew, I've got a gang of my homies, and we just want to come and lay hands on you every single week for an hour? Okay, okay, okay. All right, so thank you. No shade, by the way, church. (laughs) Lord, help us. There was no shade there. I'm just asking questions. It's not in my notes. See all these things here. So we have a financial committee. We're actually pretty good there. We got some good people on our financial committee, making sure I don't go to jail because of bad spending. So needs arise, and we see in chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, there was a need that arose. It, it, it came to fruition, so we said, okay, wow, we have to deal with this. So when they started to deal with these things, they began to say, okay, who can we put there? Who can we put there? So do you know there's another ministry, and we go down to, Kind of missions down there. One of the missions of our church is a little place called JH Outback. I don't know if you've been to JH Outback, but Jeremy, cue that video up. We're going to play a little video.
1: Is actually something that
0: goes much deeper than just the thing that you do to occupy your time. His father was looking in the distance and he was waiting for his son. He never gave up looking, he never gave up waiting, he never gave up coming. And while he was still a far way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. Fix my Most important person of your life. Even. So, hey, if you are a uh, young adult, and um, if you don't know what that is, you might not be a young adult, um, but our church will pay for you to, to, to go there. Uh, just email. Colleen at bowdownchurch.com, C-O-L-L-E-E-N, and we want to sponsor you to to go there. Some of you that have already been, if there's like five people that you know that really need to be a part of it, maybe somebody far off from God or questioning who God is, this is a great outreach ministry where we see people come to Jesus and give their life to him. Um, But again... Um, Get in touch with Colleen because we have spots that that we want to fill and we want to support. That ministry, that outreach, that organization, um, they need help setting up the giant tents a week before. And so the information's in your bulletin to help set up. They need help breaking down after the event happens. So again, that's in, in your bulletin. And so the reality is the, the, the majority of people in church, now I'm not talking about you guys, I'm talking about other churches, will say um, that's somebody else's job. And when somebody else dies, the church is in big trouble, by the way, okay? That was, I thought that was funny, but, uh, yeah. but we're always like, that's somebody else. Somebody else can do that. Somebody else can do that. Somebody else can do that. And, and so, so anyway, that's one of the ministries we support. Jimmy, go ahead and throw out that, that, that long list again. Um, you know, when we look at discipleship, there's a lot of things that need to be done, but we're not doing them. Now, in our children's church, we are combating the false ideology of evolution, macroevolution and creation, and we're teaching our young children um, to, to understand and know the difference and to know the flaws and, in evolution. Evolution has it's, it's so uh, unscientific. It shouldn't even be in our school system anymore because of the technology that we have with DNA research. We now know that Darwin did not know what he was talking about, but we still, anyway. So what about the adults? Do the adults understand the difference? Because most adults have been trained that Darwin was brilliant. No, he was actually ignorant, but anyway. And he was ignorant not because he was ignorant, but because you don't know what you don't know. He didn't have the tech that we have today. There's more information in a DNA in, in DNA that would fill up an 8 by 11 piece of paper stacked higher than the Washington Monument in one DNA wow. strand. Darwin thought it was a blob, so you don't know what you don't know. Anyway, um, also, abortion is the slavery of our day. There's a political party, and I'll let you do your own research. But there was a vote that just went out in our Congress. And this is where our nation is, and it's, it's, actually, it's mind-blowing to me. In this particular party, there was, an, there was a bill that if there is a botched abortion and the baby is born alive... Is it legal to keep that baby alive? One party voted to keep that baby alive. The other party, the whole party, except for one person, voted to kill that baby, even if it's born alive. And that is just disgusting. Let's forget about politics right now. Like, who would want to murder a baby that's born alive? I, I can't even believe that was a law. But, but yet we've been dummied down with phrases like, Jesus wasn't political. Oh, yes, he was. The religious Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were the religious ruling class of Israel. And Jesus was constantly challenging them. Constantly. And so we need to be involved or else slavery will happen. Slavery happened in our nation because our nation did not obey one verse in the Old Testament that says, do not have a slave that's been stolen. Imagine if, she would have, if our nation would have obeyed that one verse. You know why she didn't obey that one verse? The Christians were silent because, oh, we don't get political. Jeremy, go ahead and, and, and play that next video.
1: My name is Mark Mink and I was conceived in an unplanned pregnancy. My teenage birth mom graciously placed me for adoption where I was able to grow up in a loving home in a loving family in the Gainesville, Florida area where I still reside today with my wife of almost 30 years and our three precious children. So it should come as no surprise that I'm passionate about the protection of preborn life. And so now I'm serving as the state chairman for Protect Human Life Florida, which is the sponsoring committee for the Human Life Protection Amendment a citizen initiative to place a proposed amendment on the 2024 Florida ballot. You see, Florida is one of 18 states that has a provision within its constitution that its citizens can propose amendments to their state constitution. It's the same process that a group used 20 years ago to provide constitutional protection for pregnant pigs. Our mission, therefore, is to amend the Florida Constitution by placing our proposed amendment on the ballot in 2024 so that the most victimized and vulnerable people group in Florida, the preborn, are protected. In order to do this, we have to get almost 900,000 signed petitions that we can submit by February of 2024. Close to 80,000 pre-born lives were destroyed in Florida last year. That makes our state, the state of Florida, the third most dangerous state in the country for the pre-born, with only California and New York ahead of us. With the bloodshed of these precious innocent preborns happening on our watch, we need your help. It's time to build a wall of protection around the preborn in our state, a constitutional wall of protection. But instead of blocks and stones, our building blocks are simple reams of paper. Pastor, when you're back at your office, print 500 petitions and get them signed by like-minded voters. Do it by January 22nd of 2023. What's the significance of that date? It's National Sanctity of Human Life Sunday and the 50th anniversary of the now infamous Roe v. Wade decision. So here's a sobering statistic. By midnight tonight, when most of us are sound asleep in our beds, another 219 preborn precious image bearers of God will have been killed in the Sunshine State. We are men and women of God. To stand with God, we have to stand for life. To fight for life, We have to enter the battle. Please join us. Years ago, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Well, now is the time to speak and the time to act. Help us help those who cannot help themselves. Their very lives depend on.
0: So this is a, is a, is a huge need and just in our state. What can we do? What can we do, right? Um, is, is Robin in here? No. Okay. We're going to have Robin. She's going to have a table outside where you can sign the pesi- petition to end the murder of children that God created. Listen, the science has settled on this as well. Conception, conception is when life happens, okay? The science is settled. It's not a debate, it's not a fetus, it's a child. The science is also settled for every Christian according to Ephesians chapter one, which says, I chose you before the foundation of the world. When we murder a baby in the mother's womb, we are murdering what God created, Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. Scripture declares you are fearfully and wonderfully made in his image, and his likeness. When we murder a child, it is an affront to God. Over 90% of women who've had abortions still deal with depression, anxiety because they understand what happened. And that lives with them the rest of their life. I want to encourage you, if you made that decision, there's forgiveness at the cross. God is going to heal. He can restore. But it's still going to be there. Because God forgives and forgets and separates it as far as the East is from the West and remembers it no more, but we can't do that. We'll always remember. And so, listen, we want to come around you if that's something that you've done, but this issue is a big issue, guys. And so where's the team in our church that deals with the number one murder problem in our state? Where's the team that educates? Where's the team that's going to set up a table at PBA, and that's going to get the entire PBA campus to sign this petition so we can get 900,000 signatures on the ballot so we can outlaw the murder of babies? When are we going to come to the place? See, right now in our state, turtles, and you'll see them today if you come to our You'll see the little sticks. Turtles have more rights than humans do in our state. Turtle eggs. But they're turtles. We know they're going to be turtles. They can't survive outside the egg. But yet they, if you you, you touch one of those, up to $5,000 fine. Jail. So, guys, we got a lot of work to do. Okay, God, where do you want me to serve? I see all these roles. I see all these needs. Acts one. there arose. There was this need. There was racial tension. People were being neglected. Food wasn't being dispersed. People weren't being, being fed. And so what did they do? Thanks for asking, Acts 6.3. Therefore, brothers, in the Greek, it's like, hey, bro, you guys ain't awake this morning. All right, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, that's good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and ministry of the Word, and so... Man, when people start getting in where they feel called, where they need to be. Like some of you, I shared the abortion thing, and there's nothing in you that's jumping up and down. But then there were some people that were like, man, I've got to do something. There is a burning fire within me. How can I serve? How can I be a part of that? And we entrust you to the Holy Spirit. And remember what Jesus said. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus is building his church right now. Are you building his church? If you're not building his church, are you following Jesus? And so we need people to step up and fill roles that have these three attributes. If you're taking note, good reputation. First and foremost, what I want to hear is what does your wife say about you? You got a good reputation there. What do your husband say about you, right? For the ladies. What do your kids say? What do your neighbors and friends say? Do you walk the walk or is it just talk? It's hallelujah on Sunday. Then on Monday, you kind of live how You want to live? What's this person's reputation? Is it good inside and outside? Is it good at your workplace? Do people even know that you're saved? At school, what are they saying about you? En juego? The second thing, full of the Spirit. I want you just to jot down Galatians 5. 22 and 23, the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. Understand, in the New Testament, the fruit of the Spirit is on a higher pedestal than the gifts of the Spirit. Who you are is way more important than what you do, even with the Beatitudes, right? Poor in spirit, mourning, hungering and thirsting, meek and mild, right? All of these attributes, am I a peacemaker? Do I have a pure heart? Jesus, before he builds out the greatest three chapters from my perspective, the Sermon on the Mount, He starts with the attitudes of the heart, the person, the character, and uh, and nature, and then he builds out on top of that. So, man, does your life consist of the fruit of the Spirit? Would people say, you're full of love? You're full of love. That person just loves. You're full of joy. Are you Debbie Downer? Now, there's a season for Debbie being down but we gotta get Debbie into some joy sooner or later. Are you a peacemaker? Are you a person that's marked by peace? Oh, I'm so frustrated if these people, Oscar, get out of my way, there. Or homeboy just cut me off. Lord, I'm not gonna give him the universal number one sign. But I pray that you would help him drive. And bless him, Lord. Thank you for that trial, how I almost died and had to squeal my brakes. Peace. Patience. Patience. You don't pray for patience, do you? Kindness, goodness. When you're poked, are you kind? a kind person goodness faithfulness man are you marked by someone that completes stuff are you marked by starting and not finishing gentleness gentle am i gentle second timothy it talks about pastors a servant of the lord must not quarrel but be gentle to all able to teach is my teaching marked with kindness and gentleness, or am I just yelling all the time? Hello? Self-control. Ladies, if you're going to marry some dude, you need to ask him, Hey, how are you doing with porn and masturbation? And it got, got hot in here, didn't it? This is the adult service, so we don't play around. Why is that important, ladies, to ask? Because there's a lot of guys who don't have mastery over that. They don't have self-control, and if they're not self-controlled now, what do you think it's going to change when you're married? And so I've seen many young girls break up with guys because they just weren't ready because they they're not walking in self-control. And so if you're not free, we're not here to condemn you, but we're here to say, hey, young men, get right. So you can say to your wife, hey, I used to be addicted to pornography. I used to be addicted to self-pleasure, but I haven't done that in a year. And so it's my gift to you on this wedding night. And guess what's going to happen in your marriage? Her heart's going to trust you. She ain't gonna, You're not going to have drama. Where have you been? Where have you been? Who are you talking to? Who's that girl? Let me see your phone. Man, please. I don't have none of that. I don't have any of that because I took care of business when I was single with my homies. And I got free and I was able to say that to my wife. So, full of the Spirit. Christian, listen, you believe you don't have self-control. That means you don't have the Holy Spirit. Stop saying that. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives you self-control. You're just choosing not to use the Holy Spirit. Which brings us to the third thing in Acts 6.3. Do they have wisdom? Wisdom. Wisdom is not knowledge. A lot of people have knowledge. But well, wisdom is applied knowledge, that I know how to put this in practice, that my life is it's defined by having an understanding of the Word of God, but yet able to walk it out and people see, man, this guy is wise. It's one thing to understand in finances, and by the way, I encourage you to sign up for our fiscally fit class that's coming up because I can know and understand what compound interest is. I can get it. But am I walking it out? Am I walking in a contentment that's biblical where I know what it means to have plenty and I know what it means to have nothing? Nothing but yet I'm not moved by what I need and what I want because I've learned godliness with contentment is great gain, and so I'm content in how I move. I don't need. Uh, uh, My favorite story is I'm prayer walking down Tamron, and I'm up on the hill by 7th Street, and some dude comes out of the alley. Hey, bro, you straight? What you need, what you need? Now, for those of you who don't know, That means, would you like some pharmaceutical drugs, okay? What you need? And it was kind of like, bro, do I look like I need anything? Christ is my rock. And I've been so high since I got him. And let me just tell you, everyone that this rock falls on will be crushed. So you better get the rock I'm selling, homie. I didn't say that. I'm just tripping. No, here's what I said. I said, hey, bro, listen, I'm good. I'm good. I'm straight. I, I, I don't need anything. But listen, here's what Jesus says. He says this. He says he's not gathering with me scatters. What are you scattering, bro? He's like... I never heard that verse. Who gathers scatters? What is that? NIV? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got a drug dealer trying to break break down Hebrew and Greek and correct uh, translations. I'm like, Lord, see that's what's going on though in the world. There's a form of religion, but it denies the power. Maybe I'm a Christian. And I know I'm trying to sleep with you before we get married, but Jesus understands we're going to get married anyway. That's a form of religion, but denying the power. And that guy, when he moves like that, has disqualified himself from leading you because he's not following Jesus. Unless you learn how to follow, you're not qualified to lead. Wisdom. We see it with the wise and the foolish virgins, right? The wise virgins, they were ready, trim lamps, oil, backup oil. But the foolish virgins, in Matthew chapter 25, when Nestor did his message, the foolish ones, guess what? They weren't ready. They knew they needed oil, but they lacked the wisdom to go get it. They even knew where to get it, but they didn't go get it. We see also in Matthew 25, where we talked about last week, where Everybody was given talents. And the guy that buried it, he knew. He knew what Jesus was going to do. He knew about Jesus. He, He knew about the master, but yet he still buried it anyway. Again, having knowledge, but not knowing how to take that knowledge and work it out, right? That's not what we're going for. We're going for and looking for people that have the wisdom of God, that had the knowledge, but yet are walking in it. They're walking in it. Listen, young men. I've been free from pornography and self-pleasure for over 21 years. 21 years. If there's a young man here and you're not free, come see me. And if you do what I teach you to do, I guarantee you'll be free within the next six months. (coughs) Guaranteed. Now. Am I being arrogant? No. Number one, understand this. If God takes his hand off me for a moment, I'm going to crash and burn, and like a dog, I'll go back to my vomit. Because I have a settled understanding. Apart from Christ, I can't do anything. I can't keep myself free. So I'm not trying to be boastful or prideful, but understand, the knowledge is there for you to get free. The question is, do you want it bad enough? And there's people in this church that can help you get free. The problem is, people don't want it. And so we keep it to ourselves. I want you to turn to Ephesians 4. So, church, if you're taking note, we're looking for people to step up to meet those needs that have a good re- reputation, that are are dripping with the fruits of the Spirit, just not the gifts. The gifts are easy. You can have gifts and not have the fruit of the Spirit demonstrated in your life, and we're going to get into that next week, because the most immature church was the church of Corinth. And they had all the gifts, prophecy and tongues, and they had it all going on. Listen, that ain't no big deal, because that's a manifestation gift. And we'll get into that in a minute. I know I'm challenging everybody here with this walk in Christ, but I don't don't forget when Paul got saved, it wasn't until 14 years later that he was sent in Acts 13. 14 years. So give yourself some grace. 3 years he went to Arabia. Give yourself some grace. Join 5:16. Take a year off. Check out of this world. See what God does. Ephesians 4. The book of Ephesians was written to the church of Jesus Christ. It's not written to the world, it's written to the church of Jesus Christ. And so the first three chapters of Ephesians that is your identity in Christ. If you are unsure of your identity in Christ, You need to spend time in Ephesians 1 through 3 because it is out of your identity that you have to learn to walk. Well, I don't feel the Holy Spirit. Well, First Ephesians 1.13, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit if you're born again. I don't feel like a son and daughter, Ephesians 1.4. I'm adopted in the beloved. I don't feel like the grace of God is all over my life. Okay, Ephesians 1 says that his grace is lavished out upon us, that it abounds towards us so it's not what you feel, because what you feel might not be real. It's what the word of God says. And as you stand in the word of God, Ephesians 1 through 3, you'll understand your identity. If you don't understand your identity, you'll flail on your destiny. Because look at what Satan attacked first with Jesus. What did he attack first? If you are the son of God. He was attacking his identity. And you don't think when you step out to do the ministry that God's called you to do, to stand in that place that the enemy's not going to come and he's not going to attack your identity? Well, if Satan did it to Jesus, he's going to do it to you. You better get firm in your identity, which is in Christ, in Christ alone. So you see this, this verse in 4.1. So now it's going to shift from your identity to how you walk it out. How you walk it out, that's chapters four through six. And so you see the word, I therefore a prisoner, highlight that, and just put right above that, God, help me not to complain anymore. For the Lord, not because if he did something wrong, for the Lord, I urge you, To walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Well, what's that calling? Ephesians 1 talks about it. You got to walk worthy. We got to walk worthy with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. It's hard to bear with some people, isn't it? But that's what we're called to do. Verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. Listen, we already have unity because of the precious blood of Christ. We've been declared one. and one, God has created one new man. That's in Ephesians chapter 2. So we're already one. There is no longer Jew nor Greek. We're already one in Christ. And so we now, chapter 4, have to learn how to maintain what Jesus' blood paid for. And so it's a constant confronting, bearing one another, being humble with one another, maintaining this spirit of unity and the bond of peace. Verse 4, there's one body, one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Ephesians 4 verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. By grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, I want you to highlight that. That's really important. If you are in Christ, by grace you've been given a gift. Everybody here, say, that's me. Yeah. Unless you're not saved. If not, I encourage you to do that before you die. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. I want you to highlight that again. He gave gifts to men. What's he trying to get across here? That we have gifts. You're gifted. Say, I'm so gifted. Yeah. Some of you never said that before. Look, if you are in Christ, you are so gifted. You're so gifted. And not only that, Matthew chapter 25, you're so talented. You're so talented. See, there's your encouragement today, guys. Usually I just say I encourage you to repent, but you're getting more today. (laughs) He gave gifts to men. And he ascended. What does it mean that he had also descended to the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. You might want to highlight that. He might fill all things and just say, that's me. So now that we see that he's given gifts, he desires to fill all things. That's what he came to do. That's what he wants to do. He put his gifts in you. Now, what are those gifts? And it lists five things, which we call the fivefold ministry. And everybody in here has at least one of these. These are role gifts for every Christian every believer. Verse 11. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. There's five of them. Now, let's stop right there. You had a piece of paper on your sheet when you came in. Go ahead and pick that up, please. This, church, is your prayer paper this week. Here's your homework. I'm handing it out. You need to pray about, okay, God, what, what is my gift here? Now, I'm giving you bonus homework as well this week. We're going to be sending out an email with a five-fold gift test that you can take, And that you can send back. Now, here's the deal. I want you to see this. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Bring revelation to me. Test. (laughs) Okay? Now, take the test. Hopefully, it will confirm what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. But here's what I don't want to happen when you say, hey, man, I'm I'm a teacher, that's my gift. Because then when you feel like you have that, what you need to do with your gift is you need to go to everybody and you need to say, hey Sip, is my gift teacher? And because Sip loves you and he's heard you try to teach stuff, he'll say, I don't think so, bro. You better go back into your prayer room because this type only comes out by prayer and fasting. Bad teaching only comes anyway. So we need the community of the body of Christ to affirm that gift. Now, some of you here, you know what your gift is, but you've never come into discipleship. So instead of being a prophet that can be used by God, you're a prophet that beats everybody up. And you shake the dust off. And you say, thus saith the Lord. (laughs) And because you don't have shepherds around you to bandage up the wounds and to stitch up the cuts and to put ice over the person you just hit with a two-by-four, proper prophetic ministry is not being done in the house of God. So I want you to look at the profit real quick. We're gonna, I'm actually going to delve more into that next week. So look at it on your sheet. It's the fourth one down, okay? No, it's not. It's the second one down. Sorry. Wherever it is, on my thing, it's, it's the second one. I don't even know what you guys have. I just forwarded that to somebody anyway. So you see where it says partners needed? You see that at the bottom of prophets, partners needed? Does it say that? Prophets, don't go. Don't leave home without a shepherd, please. I've gotten words before, and because there was such a, a passion, I've given them, but I've given them in the wrong spirit. Do you know disciple? Jesus rebuked his disciples and said, when they wanted to call down fire from heaven, he said, you don't know what spirit you're in. And sometimes we can move with a word, but it hasn't been tested properly yet. And we're going forward with something and we don't have shepherds that will follow up and say, hey, I know Chris just punched you in the face 17 times. But Jesus, he died for you because he loves you. And we are here to walk with you. Does that make sense? That's why I'm not in the inner healing room. Okay. Okay. Here's what Scripture says. Go do it. You're released. We don't need any more sessions. Just obey God's word. If you do that, no problems. Next, please. That's a prophet, by the way. I want to focus in on evangelism. Before I get there, though, Jeremy, go ahead and throw up the one slide that we still haven't thrown up, which is the three types of gifts, because I want to explain this. There's three types of gifts. There's ministry role gifts. These are the position gifts. Again, everybody has been gifted in this church. If you're a born again believer with the Holy Spirit inside of you, you will have one of these five things. Everybody has this gift according to what it says in Ephesians 4, Jesus gave these gifts and then he lifts them. Also with this gift list, there's also S's at the end of them. Apostles, meaning not just one. Prophets, not just one. Evangelists, not just one. It means that in the church there's not just one, but there's a gang of evangelists. Then there's motivational gifts. What are these? Some people take vows of poverty, okay? Rich Mullins, multi million dollar recording artist. He wrote the song, Our God is an Awesome God. He reigns. He lived on a Navajo Indian reservation in the 70s, and he told his board of directors, I know I'm bringing in millions because I'm... I'm I'm selling records like it ain't like it ain't nothing. But what's the average salary in America at the time? It was thirty five thousand dollars a year. So he said, give me that and everything extra. Give to ministry. Give to the poor because I'm single. I've taken a vow of poverty and I'm living on this Indian reservation because I'm dead to myself and dead to this world. Be glorified, God, with your funds. I don't know if you're called to that, Or you say, man, I'm capping off my salary because this much is enough. And from now on, God, anything above and beyond, it's going to your kingdom. Vow poverty. Catholics do this way better, guys. than the evangelicals. Ooh, the next one, celibacy. Ooh. I didn't get one witness up in this place. Jesus said, there's people that can become eunuchs for the kingdom of God, meaning I'm taking a vow of celibacy. Now, if you're like, that ain't me, that ain't me, and I don't know, move on to the next point. Listen, that is probably not you, because it's a gift. It's a gift. But some people do. They feel, you know, it's funny, as I've worked with young people in their college age, I think God's calling me to a life of celibacy. Seven months later, hey, I think I like so-and-so. Anyway, it's just comical how I see that stuff happening, right? And so, so motivational gifts, and then there's the manifestation gifts, which we're going to talk about next week, okay? 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians. This means that the Holy Spirit comes upon and all of a sudden you you hear tongues. All of a sudden you get a prophecy. All of a sudden you get a word of knowledge, Uh, healings, miracles, signs and wonders, right? Manifestation gifts where the Holy Spirit just shows up and things start to happen. But that's not where we are today. Where we are today is ministry role gifts. So let's focus in now on evangelists. I'm going to give you some points here. Now, remember last week, point number one, point number two, Jesus never said that? Well, I'm going to do it this week, okay, because I'm a a hypocrite. Some people do not like cold-calling evangelism, and I get that. I prefer outreaches myself because, hey, we're here, and we're doing an outreach, and I don't like bothering people. I don't like going up to people, and... Like you're having a date night? Hey, can I share Jesus with you? But evangelists, even though you know you're evangelist, have you been entrained in evangelism? Evangelism's not, not complicated. It's what has Jesus done in your life? I used to be addicted to this, this, and this. Depressed, given up on life. But then I decided to surrender my life to Jesus and to follow Him. And ever since then, He's freed me from this addiction. He's freed me from depression. He's freed me from all of these things because I've given my life to Jesus. And that's what He's calling you to do. Listen, that's not complicated to say to somebody. Jesus saves. He died for you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. So, so, so the, the pitch, if you will, is not a complicated thing if you are following Jesus because there should be something you can testify to, some type of witness of before and after, right? So that's not complicated. But what is complicated is our posture in evangelism. So I'd like you to turn to Matthew 11, please. What's more important than the pitch, the sales pitch, and, uh, and nothing against Dr. Ray Comfort, the way of the master, nothing against three circles, nothing against, to me, the pitch is always secondary. But if you're thinking about the pitch, you're already off from where you need to be as an, as an evangelism with evangelism well well, what do you what do you mean chris evangelism is always going to be a secondary thing not a primary thing evangelism should always come from a posture of abiding in christ we are to love god with all our heart all our soul all our mind and all our strength and 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 then the outflow is our neighbor as ourself and so as i'm a worshiper first as i'm an abider first as i'm loving god first out of that position evangelism happens I don't think about evangelize. I got to evangelize, I got to share, I got to share. No, I got to worship God. And if an opportunity comes, it's a secondary thing. And so if you're taking note, evangelism, abiding in Christ is always primary and evangelism flows out of that. Evangelism is always a secondary outflow. Matthew 20, Matthew eleven twenty five. it says, and this is Jesus talking. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and you've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. In evangelism, God, right now, he's hiding things from people. A lot of times it's prideful people who believe they're wise and understanding. But he's also revealing things to humble people that are like children. I want you to understand something evangelist. Jesus was perfect in every way. He was filled and anointed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is revival. He was a uh, uh, a revival just walking around. Jesus is revival. But more people rejected his gospel than believed in him. If they do not receive you, if they do not receive your message, it might be because they're prideful. It might be because God hasn't revealed. It might be because of them. That's why Jesus was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Like he's, he's, They're blinded. Unless those blinders come off, they're not going to see. And so when you say what Jesus wants you to say, it doesn't matter how people react or respond in evangelism. It's not your responsibility to deliver the perfect pitch or the perfect message or to get the right stuff down. They have a part, but God has the biggest part. He is the one who reveals. That should alleviate pressure from you. So Successful evangelism depends on revelation, not presentation, if you're taking note. Successful evangelism depends on revelation, according to the scripture here, not presentation. So take it easy. If you don't have all those three, if you only got two out of three circles memorized, that's okay. Okay. Jesus can close that circle. 27, all things have been handed over to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and anyone who the son chooses to reveal. So again, you might want to highlight that. Jesus has to choose to reveal to somebody when you're out evangelizing. And by the way, I said that wrong. When you're out worshiping, and the outflow may be evangelist. Understand, when you're, when you're telling someone, Jesus has to reveal. Today, there's no pressure on me. It's no pressure on my studying. The, 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 the only hope I have is that God would grant you ears to hear, that the Holy Spirit would fall, that God would take the word and burn it into us as a people so that we live and walk differently. There's no pressure on me. The word is the word is the word. I can give John 3.16 one day, nothing happens. I can give John 3.16 second day, same words, but all of a sudden there's weeping and crying and there's a repenting somebody on their face. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's doing what only he can do. I've never led anybody to Christ. I just happened to be around when the Holy Spirit did. No pressure, no pressure, no pressure. You're free. This is where doctrine's important. Ephesians 1.4, right? He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Listen, God's going to save who he's going to save. Successful evangelism depends on revelation, not presentation. Let's go to the next verse. Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When you are evangelizing and you are laboring and you are heavy laden, you are not walking in your Sabbath rest. Again, it's back to evangelistic posture. If you're not at rest, if you're not in a Sabbath Sabbath rest, you're not in a settled disposition that the Lord of the Sabbath is inside of you. So I can release my burdens. I can release a pressure to perform. I give that over to him, and I release that to you, God. And I come to you saying, yes, Lord of the Sabbath, Prince of Peace, I want to dwell in your presence, who you are. Who you are is way more important than what they think, what they, how they respond. I'm coming to you in obedience. You said, You will make me a fisher of man. I can't decide to go fishing. You have to make me as I follow you. I can't make myself. I can't study this more. I can't learn evangelism from the greatest scholars of the world and be successful. No, you have to make me. I will make you fishers of men. I just have to follow. I just have to follow. Jesus said in Luke 21, settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how you're going to answer for I will give you a mouth of wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. Ooh, when you really believe that, you're at Sabbath rest because it doesn't matter if they accept it or reject it. God knows whose are His he's doing the revealing. I'm just resting. I'm laid back with my mind on my Sabbath rest. Some of y'all still need to get saved. I say, I heard you. I'm just kidding. All right. Evangelists need to have a settled posture, point number three, of Sabbath rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest. Rest for your souls. A yoke is an, is an instrument that you put two oxen in, and they learn how to plow straight. Yoke also, in context for the Hebrew, was teaching. So my teachings are not burdensome for you. And whenever you're out evangelizing, you are never alone because Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. If you get stuck, remember you're yoked up to Jesus and just kind of turn your neck and say, okay, Jesus, what do you want to say right now? Because you're standing right next to me. I'm yoked up with you. You are not evangelizing alone. You are abiding in him, and as you walk in him, if he leads you to evangelize, you're doing it with him because his yoke and his burden is easy and light. Again, performance has to die. It has to die. Every time you go out, point number four, listen, you're under his yoke. You're under his teaching. A disciple is a learner, and so if I ever was to go out evangelizing, I'm going out to learn because his yoke and his teaching, I don't know it all. I'm still learning. After 20 plus years, I'm still learning when I go out. I'm not going out to save souls. I'm going out to learn from Jesus who is with me. And I want to continue to have that humble posture as I learn. And I'm talking to people. And if you have a posture of a learner, you're not going to come off as an arrogant, prideful dude that knows everything. Which, by the way, that's usually how I go out. You know why? Because I'm not in that posture of a learner. Verse 30. Again, Jesus is saying this because he wants us to get it. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. If there is tension... If there's tension in your posture, you're not walking right. If there's fear when you're evangelizing, you're not walking right. You have to be sensitive to what's going on inside of you. To where you're easy like Sunday morning. That you're in the Sabbath rest of God, that you're yoked up with Him. It should be easy and light, no fear, no tension, no nervousness, because when that happens, you're no longer abiding. You're abiding in yourself. That's why the tension's there. So just sit down for a second on the park bench and just say, God, forgive me. I forgot about you. I'm focused on my pitch, my performance on the other person, and so I just want to come to you, and I just release my burden, I release this, I take your yoke, I want to learn from you now. I want to begin to worship you now because you are my great king. Nobody's going to get saved unless you bring revelation. Nobody's going to come to you, Jesus, unless you open up their eyes and your ears. And so God, help me to just forget about the performance. Help me to forget about the to-do list. I want to just abide in you. I want to worship you, Jesus. Help me to enter into your Sabbath rest. You are the Lord of the Sabbath. Can we Sabbath? now for a minute and maybe you just stop for 10 minutes and you begin to get alone and just worship Jesus so you can get rid of all of that tension all of that fear all of that stuff and now go back out as a worshiper first loving him with all your heart soul mind and strength and then the second is like the first but it's not the first because if I love my neighbor I'll probably tell him about my best friend. Yeah. I'll probably share with him what transformed my life. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't need to come in and make an opportunity like a salesman. I can just sit back. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So those are the five full gifts, but that's evangelism. So, man, who's an evangelist here? And have you ever been trained that it's not in your pitch, it's in your posture? And unfortunately, I don't know if I've ever heard a message on evangelism that's not the pitch and just the posture. Because when the posture's right, the pitch is going to be smooth like butter. But if the posture's not right, The pitch is off. It's going to be clanky and janky, tore down to the floor down. We need order in the church. Pray about what your gift is that God has given you. You're also going to get a test. Bring that before the community of believers and get feedback from the body of Christ. Hey, do you think this is what my gift is? What do you think? and let's start to get order and let's get people in place that that have a good reputation that are full of the fruits of the spirit and that move with wisdom and guys we will see revival happen we will see lives transformed we will see God's kingdom break in on this earth and this is the church this is the church this is the body of Christ And the church's job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. What's the work of ministry? We need the apostles and the prophets and the teachers and the evangelists and the shepherds to be confident and content in who God has made them to be moving in the right kind of posture so when they fulfill their gifts it's done in a right way that brings glory to our Father in heaven because we drip with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that are. Character and our Christ likeness is way more important than what we do for God. Yes. He can speak through a donkey, He can speak through you and me. So, Father, I thank you for your word today. And we just say, Yes, Lord. Help this church. Help us to get into our places, Lord. God, I pray for those that are just kind of feeling disqualified or feeling like, man, God, I pray that you, Holy Spirit of God, would just draw people to seek help, to seek discipleship, because you, by your blood, have qualified everybody that names the name of Christ. And so God, silence the accuser of the brethren in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for your people to awaken I pray for your bride to to begin to rise up and say, yes, here I am, God, send me. Here I am, God, send me. Where do you want me to go? Where can I go and say, this is my post and I'm gonna die here. I'm gonna die here because this is where you've called me. And God, I thank you for your promise that after the seed dies, it begins to bear fruit. And so God, we just expect fruit Fruit that would come and last and be beautiful, so that your bride would be glorious and radiant without blemish or spot or wrinkled, so that people would be drawn to you because of the love and the affection that is in the bride of Christ. Not only do we pray this today for our little church, we pray this for the collective church of Jesus Christ in Palm Beach County and all over the world, that there would be order and function and gifts would arise, and your people, God, who are called by your name, would walk in a manner worthy of the gospel be glorified, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.